Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everyone. It's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. Welcome along to the Overlap Live Fan Debate brought to you today by Skybet. No Josh Denzel today, he's not here, but they thought they'd do like for like. Somebody who's an Arsenal fan like Josh Denzel, so you know I support Arsenal. Someone as good looking as him who could possibly win Love Island, so they went for me. No? All right, all right, I hear you on that one. Listen, I'm going to be impartial today. You know I'm an Arsenal fan, but no digs about Man United, no digs about Tottenham and none about Chelsea. Probably, right? But listen, without any further ado, let's welcome two guys that are the best pundits on TV, without a doubt, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Great to have you guys, great to have you guys. Now, listen, I was going to start right at the top with Arsenal, but um, this news has you know, come out of the blue today about Liverpool and um, the fact that they could be up for sale. I'll ask you straight away, Jamie. I mean, it's real surprising news. Uh, is there anything in this that the, the club could be sold? Well, I would imagine there's something in it how strong it is in terms of whether it's, you know, selling fully or trying to bring money into the club, I'm not sure. But, I mean, it, it's funny with FSG, the, I think they've done a great job at the club. I don't think they've ever proclaimed to have the funds of sort of United, Chelsea, Man City. But they were talking about how they would, you know, run the club. And, you know, they were the owners that brought the title back. They're the owners who brought Jurgen Klopp. The stadium's being transformed, the training ground's being transformed and... They've done, and they're almost a model for a club like yours, Arsenal, in some ways, who are probably in a similar situation to Liverpool. So I am surprised. Uh, is it something that you, th you think will the club ever be as valued as, as highly as it is right now? Certainly, we've got Jurgen Klopp as the manager and the team have been so successful over the last few years. Maybe there's something in that. But I just felt with so many American owners coming into the league, I almost thought there was a, a power play in some ways and there was, they could see something that was going to happen in the future that maybe was going on in American sports. So I thought uh, the American owners would be here for a while. But yeah, maybe they just woke up this morning and they saw the news of how much Man City have made again commercially and thought... <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't stop it, can you? you I mean, they could that. get, uh, you know, they might, Chelsea obviously went for 4.5 billion. That sort of, they'll be looking for the same sort of amount of money, won't they? I, I, I think, look, I said about United about four or five months ago that I think that they have to sell, partly because of, one, they need the cash um, to do the stuff that Liverpool have done, which is transform the training ground, the stadium. But also that Chelsea... <laughs> Valuation is only going to potentially last for 12 to 18 months, two years before people realise that actually Chelsea aren't making profit and where are these American investment funds going to get the money from? And if I actually only broke the news that you, you told me about half an hour ago. I think it absolutely makes sense. They haven't got the money really, FSG, to compete with the other teams in the league. They've developed the stadium. They've got Jurgen Klopp at a point whereby... How long is he going to be around for? Is it two years? Is it three years? And um, if that Chelsea valuation, to be fair, which at this moment in time sets the sort of standard for valuations, they're thinking now is the time potentially for us to get out because if we dip down the league, if the people think, hang on a minute, Bowley's overpaid at Chelsea, 
and it becomes a bit more of a struggle in the next couple of years, they're probably thinking now's the right time. And I think the Glazer family will be in a similar situation. I suspect both of them will be looking for outs or part outs. Glazer family, I think there's a couple of them want to stay in. But with FSG, they, I think, put a three, four billion pound valuation on Liverpool when they raised some money mm. uh, coming out of COVID to pay cash. I think they, they owed some cash or they needed more cash in the group. And they, that's where they put the valuation at. They could probably get that at this moment in time. They might not be able to get that in two years. And they don't, certainly can't compete financially with some of the mm. other clubs in the league. So I think it's not as big a surprise when you look at the evidence surrounding it. But... I don't know. I mean, the, the, the question always comes, as done with the Glazer family at Manchester United, who buys it next? It's either going to be a more aggressive American investment fund or a more wealthy American investment fund, or it's going to likely be a sovereign wealth fund or some sort of yeah. state nation. Well, that, that, that's, you know, I want to ask you this, Paul, right? Because, you know, I know, obviously, Liverpool fans are very traditional about their club. I mean, how would you feel if it was... A sovereign fund, you know what I mean? A Saudi-backed consortium or yeah. Qatari-backed consortium. Yeah. How do you think that would go down with Liverpool fans? Yeah, not well. Um, not well, to be honest. It's going to be a lot of deleted tweets, I think, uh, <laughs> if someone was to get in. Yeah. Oh, well, kind of don't really care I'll about... Like, I look like a saint about, all of a sudden. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary Neville will be welcome at Anfield all of a sudden. Um, no, you know, but that's, that's, the, that's the big issue in Liverpool. There's a, there's, a, there's a morality that exists around that. Liverpool have got Spirit of Shankly have done a very good job of trying to make sure that Liverpool maintain a degree you know, of, of, of that sort of attitude. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I often thought, often thought that you wouldn't be able to get away with that at Liverpool. And I don't think there's certain types of ownership group that could buy into clubs of that stature because I think it's easier as a sports washer, a football club where there's more welcoming, you know, a group of, fam, uh, a group of fans or something that can be on, be on the rise. I don't know that that would happen, but... The, the, the guys are right. There's only so many people with the money, and there are no good billionaires. There are no one. There's, there's no one there who's earned that money in a way that we'd all be able to say, "Yeah, that's all. That's all perfectly mm -hmm. nice." But Paul, and, are, and, are, and are you saying if Abu Dhabi came in, another group from Abu Dhabi, another group from Dubai, another group from Oman, another group from Qatar came in to buy Liverpool? Are you saying that that wouldn't be acceptable? Well, look, I, I mean, without being a, an expert on geopolitics, you know what I mean? I wouldn't like to say what the human rights situations are in a variety of countries. it's the same in all those countries. Well, like, okay, well, if that's the case, I think that would be, I don't think that would sit comfortably with Liverpool fans. And look, Liverpool are at a stage now where they've got a global fan base. And that, that global fan base might outweigh the fan base that's from the, the, from the core that represent, that the feel akin with the, the socialist values of the, of the city or whatever. Yeah? That's what we want. You, you never truly get that in football, of course, but... I think that would come into major but, conflict. But it's, it's down to the owners, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Who, who they sell to. Do you think the, the pressure Liverpool supporters would put on an FSG to maybe take a reduced value to have a certain type of owner? Do you think that, that could happen? I mean, hopefully, the, obviously, the idea you've got there's Liverpool fans have a, have a greater say in the club's fortunes now because of the you know, supporters on the, the, the board kind of thing and, and Spirit of Shankly. So hopefully that would mean that they're not allowed to be pushed down a route when it's going to some of the more unscrupulous people or again things that are totally at odds with how we perceive ourselves as a, as a city and as a, as a football club. Well, a new owner comes in and says, don't worry, Mbappe's on his way and all no. these type of players do certain fans that all of a sudden the for morality some football goes fans the that's what football is and, that's, and, and, and look if that's how people want football to be then that's how it happens all the time you see how people the Man United fans doing shouting sue in the car park you know what I mean because Ronaldo come back you know what I mean great people are made up for it but didn't improve Man United but it's one of those issues that I think there's people who just love the spend and they love money and money and money and new players and new transfers I'm not like I, I don't love Liverpool's ownership group. How can you? It's just a bunch of fellas with money. I love the football team. I love the the way it plays. I love the people who are involved on the pitch and you know in the, in the close hierarchy around around the team. They, I feel like they represent what we've what we've looked for. They seem to have done it in a reasonably in a reasonably good way. I would rather Liverpool be where they are. I'd rather us if 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 it meant selling the soul of the football club to be able to buy in a Kylian Mbappe every season, that wouldn't sit right with me. But I know there's lots of people who would be very blinded by big names, big stars, because that's the way football's going. OK, well, let's, let's talk about the game yesterday. Um, really, really entertaining game. I loved every minute of it, you know, obviously with the result. But um, it was a good performance by Liverpool. It really was a game of two halves, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it, it, obviously Gary was there. I, I watched it on TV, and it, it felt like a it felt like a real big game for Liverpool. I think when you saw Jurgen Klopp celebrate at the end, he hasn't been doing that of late for obvious reasons. They haven't been winning that many games, but now and again they have won games, and he hasn't got involved in that. And we we know it was when Liverpool were going for the league or the Champions League the last few years, but to do that almost made me feel he knew how big that game was before the game. And with it being Tottenham, a rival for the top four as well. But I still saw things in the game that were worrying. Like what? The second half performance. Not just that they didn't play well. I think it was they ran out of energy. And that has been the problem throughout the season. It was almost a flip of the season. Because Liverpool have been starting games so badly this season and almost having to do so much in the second half to come back. This was the reverse of it. And I know Tottenham fans have been saying the same about their team. But... I just think the way Liverpool started, they look fantastic, but they just haven't got the energy, I don't think, to play a 90-minute game now at the intensity that they've played in years before. And when you come up against opposition, you can now play at that intensity. And I thought the Arsenal game was a perfect example of that, where you ran us off the pitch, I think, in the second half. And that's why Liverpool need to still... You know, whether it's someone in January for midfield or certainly this summer, I, I can see Liverpool spending 150, 200 million just on midfield. Bellingham? In January? No, and then the season, but you know, you've got the next two windows. But if, I don't think you could maybe get someone in January if you could, yes. But I think Liverpool would have to spend that type of money on midfield considering the age profile. And there's three players who are actually leaving on, on uh, free transfers mm. Milner, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Keita. Yeah. Jude Bellingham, would he, you think he'd be the perfect fit for that midfield at the moment? Yeah, he, he looks the perfect fit and he would be a lot of money. And I think when Liverpool have spent big money, it's been on obviously the goalkeeper and Virgil van Dijk. But at great age profiles, you know, if you buy Jude Bellingham, it'd look really expensive. But it's one of those transfers, I think, you ever got him would look back at it in two years' time and think that, that, that was a bargain. The way, you know, Liverpool fans do now with Virgil van Dijk, because you're going to have him for a long time. You know, how old is he, 19, 20? Mm. You know, you're going to get six or seven years. He may want to then go into play for one of the Spanish giants. He may want to do that right now, but I think he'd be perfect for anyone, not just Liverpool. Mm. Paul, what about you? Who, who do you like to see coming? I think Bellingham is, is, is the answer as well because everyone overlooks the, the homegrown quota and obviously wouldn't be genuinely homegrown having not come through the academy, but... That's something that we need to be aware of moving forward. That's not going to get less. You're not going to require less English players in, in the future. Getting the best one or the one who's got the highest sort of potential potential ceiling makes it. And, and it sends a bit of a message as well. I mentioned in Van Dijk and Allison. When you go out and get the best player on the market, it, it, it reset. It, it tells world football where you are in the food chain. When you have to start just undercutting and you get into two and three and you're losing those players to other teams who you want to be at the top table with, it undercuts what you're doing. But someone. Like Bellingham would be sound. I've seen Declan Rice mentioned as well. I think he's a good he's a good player. I've not seen enough of him, and I, I, I'm often wary of kind of lads who hover between should they be a centre half or should they be a DM. I, you know, I, I'm sure Baz could tell us how Jack Rodwell's career went. You know, he was one of those who looked like he was going to be a, a star for a bit and never quite made it. But I mean, hang Declan, on, hang on, Declan Rice. Without being disrespectful to Jack Rodwell, it's miles better than Jack Rodwell. What a star Rodwell. Jack Rodwell was. Jack Rodwell. Jack Rodwell. He was 16 when he was left back against England. Gary, let me ask you, because you was at the game yesterday and I was listening to you talking about Salah. I mean, he's back to his best by the looks of it. And what, what did you make of Liverpool? It, uh, what did you make of both uh, teams, actually? Yeah, I suppose in terms of Liverpool, it was a positive that Salah is back to his best. I think the game that I saw first where I thought, his back is the City game. He'd obviously scored the Attrick in midweek against Rangers, but I was at the City game. He was a different level. Yesterday, I thought the stark thing for me about Liverpool yesterday was that in the past three, four, five years, Salah's been class, but he's not stood out above all the rest of them in terms of sort of where he's been at. He's been one of many great performers. He, at the moment when he plays, looks like a different level to the rest of his teammates, and his teammates are good, don't get me wrong. But that's a little bit of a worry for Liverpool because he does look like unbelievable player yesterday out there on his own. He was by far the best player on the pitch. Nunez is, I mean, he's a, I used the word scruffy yesterday. He has, mm. got a, he has got to polish himself up. He's young, so he's got to do that. But I, I think with Liverpool, just fitting into the sort of ownership conversation, if Liverpool are going to go and start signing players like Bellingham, which is going to be massive money, and they're going to need another one or two of those types of players, again, it's another reason why. Look, what do Liverpool need to do? They need to keep Jurgen Klopp. It's a fact. Mm. Obviously, he's an amazing manager. They need to motivate Jurgen Klopp. They need to make sure he feels like he can compete and rebuild his team again to be a great team for the next three or four years. Because one thing, we had a conversation about Conte yesterday after the game in the studio. 
I think these managers recognise at this moment in time the Premier League's the place to be, but they've got to be in a position where they need, they're going to win. The likes of Klopp, Guardiola, Conte, they have to be at clubs where they're going to have a great chance of winning. And that, again, fits the conversation around the owners, because Jurgen Klopp will be having them really direct on his conversations with the owners, saying, look, we need £250 million in the next two transfer windows to get back to that level. We need to rebuild the midfield. We need to deal with the issue, say, it's you know, more consistent consistency at centre-back because the one alongside Van Dijk always gets injured. So I think that does seem to me to be a sort of a wise move. And if they're going to go down that route, then they're going to need big money. But performance-wise yesterday, I thought it was really important for Liverpool. And you can't go from here to there doesn't work like that. Hanging on was probably always going to happen for Liverpool yesterday. They were always going to get better in the second half. Spurs, I think actually at the end, it was that ten last 10 minutes where he made those defensive substitutions and they got through it. That's why he was like that at the end of the game because the players were really, they needed that badly. They couldn't afford to come away from there yesterday with a 2-0 sort of uh, advantage being given away. So I thought it was a good day for Liverpool. A bit more worrying for Spurs because this pattern of first half being a disaster. I mean, they are an absolute disaster in the first half, Spurs. I mean, I watched the game against Marseille in midweek. That's, that's a nothing performance. And yesterday, very, very rare that before a game you know a team are going to be bad in the first half. But with the balance of the way in which they were set up, I, didn't, I couldn't see how that could work. I don't think Spurs fans could understand only having Kane up front without anybody in midfield, really, that was sort of natural to join. How could that really challenge Liverpool? Liverpool were always going to do well in the first half of that game yesterday. Yeah. And it happened again. I've got to ask you, Flav, as a Tottenham fan, um, watching a game yesterday, big boos at half time. Um, yeah. You know, now groans, groans and boos, and and like you like you said, Gary, against Marseille, you know they didn't get going till half time. Against um, uh, Bournemouth last week, the same thing. Are you enjoying what you're watching at the moment? It's not how you want your team to play, but I do. I think this isn't how Conte wants us to play either. I, I think he looks at it, and it'd be interesting to see what you guys think. Is I think he sees this as possibly our best way of getting the results. So football's not going to be attractive, but with the set of players he's got, the back line we've got, which probably is the weakest in the top four, top six, that, that needs to be protected to some degree. I think the tactic, as far as I'm trying to work out, is that we, we allow teams to come on in the first half in the hope that we can, we can capitalise on the energy they've expended in the second half. But it's not working because, as you say, Marseille was... The, the first half against Marseille was probably the worst half of football I've, yeah, I've ever I've seen at Spurs for a long, long time. Probably, yeah, probably actually ever. It was uh, terrible. But the second half, especially against Liverpool, was super encouraging. I was really encouraging. I'd get Liverpool give us... They, they didn't have to do much but sit back. But we got through them. We looked, it looked really encouraging. And we can play football. It's just not in the first half. Jamie, you, Jamie what, did, what did you make of it? I mean... I, I, it, Conte's Conte is, is Mourinho, he's Rafa Benitez. I, I played for, for Rafa Benitez and I know, I don't think Conte, what you're saying, how Tottenham played in the, in the, in the second half, that for him is losing control of his team. It's a bit end-to-end. -end. I know exactly, I can picture Rafa Benitez, he always felt like, you, you see Conte on the side of the pitch and Rafa Benitez was like that. It was almost like he, he's almost moving chess pieces about on, on the pitch and it's like, I want control of this game and control for me is that, these, the opposition never look like scoring a goal and we've got the players at the top end of the pitch, Asson, uh, Kulisevsky, Kane, they'll always get us a goal. There's that mentality to start the game and I don't think that will ever change. And I'm not criticising, I've played for managers for it and Conte's had success doing it. I think where the problem is, when I look at them, is what you've just said there. You said they've got the, the weakest defence or defenders maybe in, in the top six. Well, Romero's the only one that would probably get into the other team. Yeah, and... What I think is, I don't think Conte's got the goalkeeper or the defenders right now for his plan to completely work. Because his plan is about, like, it, you, you can't score against them and they've got that quality at the end of the pitch. But it is too easy to score against them. Because, as I said, I don't think they've got the quality of defenders and certainly the backup ones now when you see Davinson Sanchez come in, uh, Lenglet's come in, I, I saw him against Newcastle, I wasn't sure. Romero looks like the only one who I'd say is top draw. Eric Dyer made a big mistake yesterday, but I think he's done okay under Conte. But for me, and I've taught this for years, I know he's a World Cup winner, the goalkeeper's not good enough. In terms of getting Tottenham to really challenging, I don't think he's good so enough. Do you think they'd have to go and get somebody in January? I, I haven't got a name for you, but if you actually look at what happened with Man City when they brought Ederson, and you see Liverpool when they brought Alisson in, he, he makes too many mistakes. And I just... And it's, 
No, I just, I just don't think right now, Antonio Conte, he's brought attacking players in. He needs a top centre-back, he needs a top goalkeeper. And the way he plays has proven successful over well, the do years. You think, do you think that that style of play no. can win a league? I mean, he, well, it's, he, he won the league. He's, yeah, he's he been successful with that in the past. But with a Klopp, with Guardiola, with these very... But, Attacking managers, do you think no. that style? Can Listen, win? 100% now. I, I think football now, and I think you, everybody in here now, the way we, we see football is different the way we saw it maybe 15, 20 years ago, where you're there and managers just say, as long as we get three points on a Saturday. I think supporters want more than that now. And I think, you know, everyone's an analyst, everyone's on social media, everyone's dissecting everywhere the manager says, every pass or challenge a player makes, we're all over it. And yet, yeah, supporters want that. They want results as well as. A stylish type of football and that's maybe never going to be there with Conte but when you play the way Conte does like a Mourinho like a Benitez you have to win right now so when we say about Conte building and, and having lots more transfer windows I don't really see that I think it's got to happen for the next two transfer windows because he's not going to be there that long and Spurs fans won't put up for that that long that style of football because that football has to win right now and that's what you made Jose Mourinho so special because everywhere he went he won I was battered by most <clears throat> on screen and off screen for my stance that I didn't think Conte should come to Manchester United when he was an available manager when United desperately needed an experienced good manager because I knew this situation that we're talking about now would arrive and I know that basically he's a brilliant manager but this conversation always comes with a Benitez, a Mourinho and a Conte now because fans, unfor unfortunately, fans, fortunately, they, they've had enough of that what would be football that I used to play in at times. We used to sit back, play counter-attacks, defend deep against Arsenal. We play against Arsenal, counter-attacks, sit back. But fans don't accept it anymore. The best managers don't accept it anymore at the very top. And I think that's where it always comes to that friction point whereby... Do you actually think the best players accept it? And no, I always think I, that. you're absolutely right. The players want an idea. They want a progressive, proactive idea. They don't want a passive sort of, if you like... You know, let, let, they don't want to hear about the opposition too much. They want to hear about what we're going to do. They're more positive thinking than we were. We want, we want to know how to stop the opposition. That's how, we, that's how we are as pundits sometimes. We always see a goal from a point of view, what, what, what's the defender done wrong? We never see it from the attacking side, but fans see it very much the other way now. They've seen too much attacking football. Mm. And the fact of the matter is they want... Same with Gareth Southgate with England. Gareth Southgate's had success with England in the last two tournaments relatively. But because he plays uh, Declan Rice and Phillips in midfield, the three at the back, they want Grealish, they want Madison, they want all these players filling the team and they're giving him a hard time for it. We see it from the other side that Gareth's done a great job because he's got to the final of a tournament and the semi-final. But Tottenham fans groaned yesterday and the, and the feeling around the stadium I mean, was. What, 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 what would you like to see, Flavor? Well, like no, entertaining I'm, football or a trophy? I've I got mean, two... Oh, I mean... I'd I'd like a trophy, that'd be lovely, yeah. No, but I mean, the, I've got to say, like... Yeah, but it's, it's not one or the other, people always say that. I think that, that come up in the studio yesterday, yeah. the lads were talking about, yeah, but they need a trophy, it's as if, like, playing like that's a guarantee of a trophy. Managers should play a certain system to win. When you hear Pep Guardiola talk about football, he doesn't play like that so everyone says he's, oh, he plays fantastic football. It's because he thinks it gives him the, the most chance is, of winning. The they're not winning enough. But can I just... Why, by yeah, playing but there's no that guarantee. Style, but, yeah, but I'm saying there's no guarantee by playing that that you win. Tottenham are doing okay, by the way. They're, doing, you know, they're in the right position in the yeah, league where they should they're, they're, be. So, I think there's a okay, feeling, from based on what this conversation, is, is that the, there is like a... There's a significant section of the Spurs fan base that want Conte out. Everyone's no, no, I don't think. No, that's, no, yeah, but there's, there's just a few we, groans in. No, there. yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get that at every every Premier League, when when you play badly and we again. No, no, we, but United, we, United, no, United fans are really happy. So United fans just they they look at Ten Hag, they're losing games, they're not playing well, but they don't. They're not of the mindset that Ten Hag is not giving them the right year, football. But you were a year into Conte's. I know, I'm just saying, but Ten Hag, and Ten Hag in six months, I think United fans will still feel the same, that his football idea is correct. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the, the, what, what I think what needs to be remembered as well is when Conte took over, we were a shambles. We had absolutely no right to be in a conversation about getting the Champions League. Arsenal were miles ahead of us. In the last six games of the season, we had to win six. We ended up winning five and drawing one by going to, to Anfield and drawing there. Um, and the football, actually, in that last six games was excellent. We were scoring, you know, there's... Only, we're second only to Bayern Munich for scoring goals since Conte took over. So I feel, and I might be a bit optimistic, this is a patch of poor form, predictable play, and that it will change. Because I've seen better from Conte's Tottenham. And I've seen him win the league with Inter Milan with 58% possession. He can play that way, 
if he has the right players at his disposal, if it's, it might be a lot of nonsense about how many transfer windows he needs, if we can get it done in the next two, you think you'll get let's judge him then. You'll Sorry. get back to him in January, you think? Yeah, that, so this, 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 this is another sort of fallacy around that. So firstly, it was, I can't believe Conte's gone to Tottenham. Then is how, how long is he going to be there? He's not going to be backed. He's been backed. And, and now it's like, well, he's too boring, he's going to go. Like, there seems to be this ongoing obsession with removing Conte from Tottenham yeah, Hotspur at all costs. This manager does bring that conversation. I'm sorry, he just does. The, his nature of him does yeah. bring that conversation. Jose's yeah. the same at yeah. United. Oh, we, we always knew at United, 18 months in, two years in, that that little, that little sort of crack... In, yeah. the, in, the, in the screen would occur and you'd be thinking something's going to get back. Yeah. It's, that, it's the cryptic press conference, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the, those type of things come out, don't he, they? He doesn't sign the contract. It's like a short-term contract. It's, like, it's, it's that type of stuff that always seems to sort of evolve. But we're living in Man City's world at the moment where you, this whole, like, this the thing that would have won you a trophy would have picked up a League Cup or an FA Cup in years gone by. If City decide to take those competitions seriously, Odds are they win them, and all of a sudden you've gone, you've you've traded up your happiness on a week-to-week basis of enjoying the football you're watching for this. Like, well, that's going to give us a trophy, and you might get to a final, and you could just lose, you could just lose to City because that's what happens. And all of a sudden, you've you've compromised what you wanted to see for to, to, in the quest for silverware that is not that might not be possible. To all of this has been compounded by other certain other teams playing very good football. And, being <laughs> and, and I'm going to mention one of those teams right now. One of those teams is Arsenal. We're going to move it on to Arsenal. Um, a manager that's doing very, very well. Loving what I'm seeing from him at the moment. And a very, very good win. A statement win, a lot of people said yesterday um, by Arsenal over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. What, what did you guys make of that game? I, I, I watched the first half and I had to travel to Tottenham for the second half, so I didn't see all the second half of the game, but I thought the first half was a fantastic performance. I mentioned a little thing after the game, actually, was watching the first half, even the long throw-ins. The fact mm. that you think about style, just talked about the fact that, you know, they had that long throw against Chelsea. I thought that was, for me, something that... I don't know I liked it because I had a long throw, maybe, and it was a bit of a throwback, but the authority on the ball, they looked far, by far the better team. Um, it was a proper performance in the first half, I thought. I didn't see all the second half, but what, from what people tell me, it was more of the same. And I watched United at Stamford Bridge not too long ago, and they were nothing like that. Um, and Chelsea, to be fair, mm-hmm. obviously aren't in the strongest of moments, but Arsenal are doing everything right at this moment in time. And Ready, you, you, you guys? You, you, know, you know what I said about Arsenal at the end of last season. You yeah. know what I said about Mikel Arteta. And there's this feeling... Having, having that ceiling... Yeah, there's this feeling he's, that he's breaking we through both that said it. We moment, both said it, and to be fair, we 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 actually said at the time we also would love to be proved wrong because actually I really do like Mikel Arteta. Yeah, I think his that, football's yeah. brilliant. I think Jesus, Martinelli, think get top Saka. I, I think they will. Top four? No, no, no. <laughs> Honestly, I think <laughs> what they I will. To, what Honestly, I want to ask you both actually. How many games Arsenal played? Thirteen or fourteen? Thirteen. Thirteen games. I want to ask you if they're title contenders. No, you've got 25 matches left. You've got this massive disruption of the World Cup coming. I honestly still think, with what's happened in the last few years, the tough moments in the season are still to come. We know that. So it is not a time for any Arsenal. I'd be amazed if any Arsenal fan here got carried away now and said, we're going to win the league, or we're definitely getting top four. Honestly, you lose two or three matches, and all of a sudden, those teams below you are up with you, and you're thinking, oh, my God. And you've got to imagine... Jeffrey Boycott used to say it. Imagine you two wickets down. It's a cricket analogy. But imagine you've lost two wickets. Does mm. your score look good? Imagine if you lose two games and the others win two games. You've always got to imagine that and think, well, how would Arsenal answer? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would Arsenal answer that pressure? So the, the moment in the season where the acid test will arrive in February and March, and that's the bit for me that has to be answered. I hope they answer it. I hope Mikel Arteta answers it. No, you fo- don't. <laughs> Why would I not? 
I like them more than Liverpool. I like them more than Chelsea. I like them more than City. No, you want to be proven right. No. You don't think they'll finish in the no, top four? At the end of last season... I you did, don't, do you think they'll finish in the no, top four? Both of us thought exactly the same thing. I'm talking about right now. That Mikel Arteta would struggle this season and they wouldn't get into the top four. I think they actually will get into the top four now, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't, but it also wouldn't surprise can't me... can't lose there, can you? My point is, I actually th I'm still saying, being really cautious, Arsenal could definitely still bottle it at a certain point. They could. So I, you, I you, think, I, you, think, you think they may not... There's still a chance they wouldn't. They've get got it in ball. them because they've proven in the. The only thing Arsenal have proven in the last few years is that they crumble at the end of the season. Until I see that they don't, I'll still have that doubt. Why okay. would they not? I I don't think they can win the league uh, because of City. Obviously, City are that good. But I, I would say that Arsenal have been the best team to watch this season in terms of excitement, how, how fast they play. As I said before, it reminds me of sort of when Klopp first came into Liverpool and it just felt like 100 mile an hour, but with quality. And uh, the football he played yesterday at Chelsea, I think they're a certainty now, the position that they're in to get top four. And not just because of the points difference they've got, actually when I watch them play, they look like one of the best teams, in, well, they look like what they are, top of the league when you watch them play. I think it helped getting, I think the City game was, was the one that was, yeah. yeah, and I think that, that probably helped in some ways, you know, it sort of played them twice, second half of the season, keep that run going. But no, I think the young players, I think it, it, it just shows you, it's not just about managers being Arteta doing a great job, of course he has, but players, no matter who you are, can transform a team. And you just look at Jesus, and the thing about him not scoring still shows how good he is. Yeah. People what are. he did yesterday for the corner, he got the ball back well, off of Thiago Silva, Saliba at the back. Arsenal weren't in your top four with it, your top four with it the start of the season. No. No, no, I... I <laughs> what's, your, what's your point? No, my point is, but you're, you think they're absolutely certain now to get in the top four? Yeah, yeah. OK, Pippa, let me go to he you. Said we, you said you, you didn't think they'd get in the top four? At the start of the season? No, you said something before in the cafe over there. Why do you think I asked you the question? I absolutely lie. Well, let me, let me get Pippa. <laughs> let me get you in. No, I believe Pippa, you. Pippa, you watch Arsenal every week, right? Um, tell them about the job that Mikel Arteta is doing, because... You know, as they both just said, you know, I mean, Arsenal playing some brilliant football yeah. at the moment. It's been such good football, enjoyable football. And I think now, as I said last time, Mikel's starting to prove the critics wrong. Critics being Gary in particular. Um, because, no, because you did call him out saying he's got a ceiling that he wouldn't reach. And so did he. That he, no, no, you, you, oh your words were like, he can never compete can with the, the likes. Up, uh, yeah, <laughs> run it back, <laughs> run it back. You said he can never compete with the likes of Klopp or Pep or Conte. He's beaten Conte's Tottenham. He's beaten Klopp's Liverpool so far. So right now he is competing with them. And at the end of every match week, he's been on top of the table. No one's replaced him yet. No. So I know it always, it matters where they are at the end of the league, like you said in May. But at the end of the day, he's showing the consistency. His fans have been asking for change and improvement. Have we seen it in such a short span of time? He's only been here a couple of three years and already we've seen the style he's implemented, the players he wants. We've had the strongest starting 11 I've seen in a long time. I got asked recently which three Arsenal players are irreplaceable and I couldn't pick just three. That's how strong the starting 11 is. You've got Partey, you can't replace him. You can't replace Saka, you can't replace Martinelli, you can't replace Saliba, and at this current moment in time, you cannot replace Ramsdale. It's a very strong level. You know, you talk about re replacing uh, players. Obviously, it's a very young team, and, and the thing I love about Arteta was the, the, the situation with Obama Yang, it, it's been well documented, but I think he showed strong management. Exactly the way Ten Hag, I think, has dealt with the Ronaldo situation. I always liked that straight away in a manager. He was brave with the players he brought in, I think, not this summer, the summer before, really young players. But I think most people in the room would feel Man City are still obviously a level above everybody. Who, who, you're saying about who who's the best three players or who you could replace. Yeah. What, what do Arsenal need if you are going to eventually have to make that? Because you will have to be, make that jump. Finishing second or third for the next two or three years, if that happens, will be a great achievement, but it still won't be enough. Yeah, yeah. What, what is the next jump? What do you mean? From well, I don't know. Well, what what do you you watch them more than me. What, what do you think takes them to a level of, of a, of a city? Though, yeah. yeah, we haven't done that yet. We need to get there first. There's 25 games to go here yet. <laughs> no, I know that. But what I'm saying, you're saying to me as an Arsenal fan, yeah. you can't see, you love all the players. Who's the three best players? Yeah, you can't yeah. change this one or that one. Where in that team needs the improvement oh. if it could jump to sort of... Because no one here believes you can catch City. Definitely the midfield. I think that's the first place to strengthen because, like I said, for me personally, Partey so far this season has been the key player, the most important player. And we saw how that planned out, panned out at the end of last season when he had that injury. 
and as well as other injuries, it cost us. And like you said, bottled, bottled the top four. And if we was to suffice to something, a crisis like that again, we need to strengthen that midfield. We need players just as good as Partey and just as good as the other key players to continue that momentum. Let me ask you, do you believe they're title contenders? Uh, not yet, but of course, at this moment in time, I'm loving life. And then I, I do believe... I can't answer that we're title contenders, but I do think Pep's sweating a little bit. I think Pep's sweating a little bit. I'll say that. I think Pep's watching. And I, 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 I guess he watched that Chelsea game and thought, how? Again, they've won again. I think he's, you know... You don't, you, don't, you don't think Pep is uh, watching really? Arsenal? Really? No, Man City's been a bit shaky, though. I think they'll win it by 10, 15 points. You I say think, so honestly, much outlandish stuff, man. I think they'll win it by 10, 15 points. Oh, I honestly yeah, think yeah. City will win it by 10, 15 points. Honestly, I've seen this before at start of seasons when you've got a team that's so exceptional... We were in those positions at times where you just know a team just hasn't got the... They haven't got it to go the whole way with City. If they do, it'll be unbelievable. We all want it to. I want City to be pushed. Oh, my gosh. I want want Arsenal to beat Manchester City for the league. Of course I do. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I hope you're wrong. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But, listen, it's great to see. Let's move it on to Chelsea, though. Um, Chelsea yesterday in the game, I mean... Graham Potter, I was, I was quite interested. Bowley, the project. Yeah, I, I was. Know. I was but it's you quite were interesting. Right. In, I was in, wrong. <laughs> quite interesting in his press conference that he sort of spoke about, you know, we're in a process as well. I mean, what have you made of Graham Potter so far? You were both big fans of Thomas. <coughs> the, the, the problem Graham Potter's got is the club he's at, in that when we talk about Ten Hag coming in or Arteta coming in and this getting time and getting transfer windows, the history of Chelsea tells you it doesn't happen. So when you go into that club, you've got to expect that. And will it change with the new owner? Well, it's hard to see so when you get rid of a manager, what, three weeks into a new season? A manager's won a Champions League for the club. So I always thought it was a bizarre uh, decision to get rid of Thomas Tuchel. I'm delighted for Graham Potter, English manager, getting that job. But he's never been in that position before in terms of managing a huge club, managing in the Champions League. He's turned it round in the Champions League brilliantly well, got them through. He'd done really well. And in his head, he's probably thinking, I've had a great start here at Chelsea. You know, initially in terms of winning lots of games, Champions League group, and then the last two or three games have gone the other way. And it almost feels like it just blew up in his face. And, and you look at Chelsea from where they were last season. And when I watched them against Arsenal, and I think £275 million got spent on this squad in the summer, you can't actually believe what you're seeing. You're thinking, how it looks so much worse, you know, the game of Brighton, the game against Arsenal, and you've spent that much money. It's just, it feels bizarre. Cara, that's, that's what I something. That, that, that is what happened, Joe. So I was watching, um, I only watched the second half of United because I couldn't get it on, it wasn't, wasn't on telly, but I watched the second half, and I looked at it and I thought, have we spent, I think United spent 250 million in mm. the summer, and you think, have we spent 250 million on that? Have we spent 250 million? Like, where's, where's the players for the manager? I can confirm you have, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> that, that's, my point. that's what happens at Chelsea. You sometimes look at the team and you think, where, where's mm. my money gone? And that, that's been happening for 10 years at United when you basically have this recruitment that you think, mm. where's the money gone? And that's what Chelsea fans will be looking at at the moment. Yeah. Where's the money gone? I want, I want to ask you, Sophie, um, what, what have you made of Graham Potter? I mean... I mean, Thomas Tuchel was a popular guy with the fans, you know, I a very did, popular manager. And, and yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's great for any English manager to do well, especially when they're going to manage, you know, one of the top four well, big six clubs. For me, and I got crucified it, like crucified by it. I said, I don't know whether he's got what it takes at this level. Like, you know, he's done wonders for Brighton, but I think Chelsea are a completely different team. And at the end of the day, we as fans expect to win Champions League, Premier Leagues, you know, trophies season after season, as well as with Brighton, it's not really that way. They just want to see them, you know, self play good football and, you know, progress as high as possible. For me, I think he's made like 29 changes to the starting 11 since he's come in. That's a lot. That's more than any, any other team. But at the same time, we do have injuries. So I don't want to base him solely on what I've seen so far. But for me, ever since Tuchel left, the football's actually got worse. Yeah, we, run on a, we went on a good run of results, but it was only going to be a matter of time until we were figured out. Because even if you look at the Villa game, we won 2-0. It was a mistake from Mings and then a free kick from Mount. The actual football as a whole was crap. Do you know we all start with that sentence when we're discussing an English manager or a British manager? We always say, don't we? You know, we want English managers to do well. We're almost in some ways, in the, that's almost in some ways acceptance that can they actually live in the actual sort yeah. of company? And I said this when I went over to Valencia. Honestly, um, Graham Potter's... Oh, they a, said 
<laughs> Graham Potter is like an elite coach. He's a fantastic coach. He's a hundred times better coach than I will ever be. But I remember being on the touchline and Simeone was there and Valverde was there and thinking, I'm a million miles away from that. You can feel it. I'm a million miles. I honestly, I could feel it actually there. And sometimes you see a manager on the touchline and then you see Pep and you see Klopp and you see Conte even, he's a brilliant manager. And sometimes their presence, they're just animals. I've said this before. And Graham Potter's going to have to try and break into that sort of what would be that realm of those managers. We, we always want Frank to do well at Everton. We want Stevie to do well at Villa. And obviously, he's, he's left a couple of weeks ago. We want them to do well, English managers, to step into that next but, level. I mean, but it's bloody hard. It's we like, always say we, it's great an English manager's got a top four job. But if you're a supporter of one of the top four... You want him to be at the other club, don't you? You don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Is this what Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool was like, where it was a bit like, is a guy learning on the job? And when you're when yeah. you're at them top clubs, you don't want someone who's learning on the job. You want someone who, to feel like they know everything, like they've got all the answers already. I don't know, but I feel like when we got rid of Tuchel, like for me, I've always said, if you're going to get rid of Tuchel, you need to replace him with somebody better. Has to be better than him. And to sack him after God knows how long, he, you know, got us, like, won us a Champions League, got us a semi-final in less than two years. Not many managers can, well, can do that. The last this season not was been... so close to being an unbelievable yeah. season. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, if we'd have, like, obviously, if that Real Madrid game had gone a different way... Well, you, you're the best team in both finals, I thought. Yeah, we, you know, we were amazing. You won both finals. I, I agree with what you're saying. You don't want to sound disrespectful to Graham Potter because he's not, well, not at, at that level that. yet. No, I'm not saying you are, but I think most people who, who are competing with Chelsea, me as a Liverpool fan, are thinking... I'd rather Graham Potter be managing Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> you just, you just would. You so know, you, you, just... think, you think that ownership we're going to give him time? You know, the, um, I mean, I th we, we spoke a lot about ownership <laughs> at, at the start. Some, yeah, something must have gone on behind the scenes for him to go that quickly. And I think Todd had an idea of what sort of manager he wanted and what sort of project he was going to be. You think he'll give him time? Uh, I think he will be, but I think Todd will learn very quickly that <coughs> he made a wrong decision. How are the fans with, with um, Graham Potter? I mean, They're very supportive. Like, he's an English manager. We don't hate him, you know, and I feel bad when I criticise him. I just think sometimes... And, and it's not fair because we've had so many been injuries. Hated huh? <laughs> I've been hated sometimes, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah, well, probably. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just—I I mean, I think he'll get time. Maybe not as much as everybody thinks he will because I, we're not playing good football. Um, and I said last time I was worried about injuries. We've been hit with so many injuries. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a while anyway till we see what our best starting eleven is under Graham Potter. We don't know yet. Isn't it a thing? Like, why are you judging him so early, though? Because, you know, you wear that thing, don't you? I don't know. No, no, it's fun, but what I'm saying is, you wear that thing of, oh, you know, got to get the manager time. He's got to get, he plays a very specific brand of yeah, football. Yeah, we're talking about players, like, under him, we've got worse. No, I know, so, but sometimes, like... sometimes it, it, it will get worse before it gets better. I know, listen, I'm saying this is never, I'm probably made up with the football you're playing right now, but I think we are judging managers short and short and yeah. short. But do you, th do you think it's, got, it's been, as I mentioned at the start, Baz, do you think it's to do with the fact that it's Chelsea? He'd yeah. have to do something pretty majorly well, I think, in the next sort of 18 months. That's what I thought, yeah. You, you may say different as a Chelsea fan. No, he does. To well, stay well, there. He does, oh, otherwise, no, otherwise fans especially will get... Annoyed with him. But how long has he been? Is he, is eight weeks has he been there? Or? Middle of September, was it? First yeah. well, let, let me just Sorry. remind you that there is one English manager at the moment who's doing big things in the Premier League, and that is Eddie Howe. Yeah. He's doing an exceptional job. I mean, I want to find out from you two, what have you made of the job that he's been doing at Newcastle? I, I mean, I, he's been outstanding. I, I think I think Eddie Howe's do, doing the best job of any manager in the Premier League right now. Uh, in terms of what he's getting from his players. Because I know we, we, people will say, well, he spent 200 million. But again, when I look at the team, I don't really look at that team and think lots has been spent on it. They all just look like good, solid, you know, Premier League players. Gamara's a star. Yeah, I, I get that. But when I look at it around, you know, the team, what he's getting out of that team to be in the position they are now, I think is absolutely outstanding. And let's not forget, Eddie Howe's done a brilliant job at Bournemouth, but there's always that feeling that Mm, could he manage a big club? Is he okay in his own little club where he's been in his own life? He went to Burnley, didn't go too well. Moving up north, all these, all these questions were thrown at him. And I think it's been massive for Eddie Howe to go up there and proving how good a manager he is. And again, I 
you can talk about with, with you know the ownership and stuff, and I'm sure they'll spend more as, as the seasons go on and get a better quality of player. But I think right now the players that they've brought in, they have spent money, but they were good Premier League players just to keep them up initially, and then maybe to make the next step. And I don't think the next step in their eyes was Champions League. I think it was almost could we be challenging for Europa League with the players that we've got. Them players, for me, are not Champions League players top four. I don't think they'll get there because of the quality of the player. But right now, they're in there, and the way they perform, and I think, means for me, I think yeah. Eddie Howe's getting more out of his players than anybody else. But the, yeah, and, you know, you can see with what he's getting, for instance, that Miguel Almiron, he's been brilliant. I mean, Gary, can Eddie Howe become one of these killers you're talking about? Can he be if he gets the manager that can, you know, because I think when he first came in, a lot of people were just looking at him as a sort of transitional guy until they get the uh, big guy in. But, but can I, I, he be that guy? I agree with what Jamie said. I think it's interesting, to be fair. I didn't think the ownership at Newcastle was would be as wise and as mature and as patient as they have been in the first six to 12 months. When you think of sort of other ownerships that have come in, whether it be Abu Dhabi at City or, you know, other big sort of wealthy sort of what would be sponsors of football clubs, they usually come in and want a star signing, they want a star manager, they want a fashionable manager, they want a name. They've actually come in and done the very opposite, which actually I think has surprised me a little bit, that actually they've been a little bit more mature, a bit more patient, a little bit understated. The very opposite, I think, of the Chelsea situation, where you think mm. that Chelsea were obviously where they were as a club and sort of, you know, challenging for honours, winning honours. They've come in and shown, I think, a little bit of immaturity, a bit of naivety, whereas actually I think the actual Newcastle ownership have come in. They've appointed a manager who, to be fair, has got a good record, but you wouldn't think that that's a manager that's going to win you the league or get you into the Champions League when you first appoint him. The players they've signed, you're thinking, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're not there, are they? They're not like sort of massive names. But I think it's been a really sort of what would be the build, the building the spirit, the reconnecting to the fans, they're doing things more patiently, they're not going sort of wasting money on sort of loads of expensive older players who are trying to see it as a payday. So they're actually doing a really good job. And actually, I think at this moment in time, it's been a pretty faultless performance on and off the pitch from Newcastle, I would say, in terms of how they've handled it um, from a pretty dire situation when obviously they took over the club. Yeah. Got Kendall here, Newcastle fan. I think the last time you was on here, you were saying that no chance of them even getting top six. Yeah. Change your mind? <laughs> um, I still, I'm like kind of on papers. Like I don't want to say that we will get it because I agree and I don't think that our squad is has the depth. I don't think it has the quality all round to specifically top four. Um, I don't think we'll get Champions League this year just for that reason. Um, again, experience, not a lot of the players in that squad have apart from Kieran Trippier, have experience of anything at that level. But he's doing an amazing job, isn't he, Eddie? Incredible job. I don't have, genuinely, hand in my heart, don't have one negative to say about him. Don't have one negative to say about the club. Don't have one negative to say about any player. Every single thing is going right at the club. But I can't even believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying that. But yeah, don't have one negative on Newcastle at the moment. And the fact that we're going to be minimum fourth at, well, at Boxing Day comes round is incredible, genuinely incredible. Do you think the position that you find yourself in, it's maybe, maybe two or three years before you would be in this position, maybe. Do you think there's a chance you've got to grab now? And, and Gary's mentioned about you, you haven't gone mad spending the players you brought in. Do you think it's an opportunity in January or you sh to, to sort of get players in, add the quality, the depth to the squad? Because, they, you know, getting a Champions can League place, maybe. That, can they, because of the... They've only got like a, like a certain pot of money, haven't they, that they can spend, I think, at a certain Why point. Why is that? I don't know. When they first came in, do you remember Ashley was sort of saving up a pot for the new owners to spend and there was like about a, there was a certain amount of money they could spend in terms of FFP? Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, I think there's something, there's something about they, they've got a restrict, not a restriction, but they've got a, like every club has a thing. I think it's like a percentage of their revenue over yeah. three years or something might, like that. They might not be able, I understand what you're saying, you're right, could they go big yeah. in January and think go for top four, I'm not yeah, sure. You know what, Kendall, to ask you as well, Almiron, hmm. I mean, he's, what Eddie Howe is doing, he's making every player in that team better, isn't he? Yeah, that's the one thing. Obviously, I know the money's going to come into play, we're not the biggest spenders by any stretch of the imagination, spent nothing for 10 years basically, so um, we're not the biggest spenders but we have spent a lot of money for us basically, um, but every single most improved player is ones that we've had for several years. We signed Miguel Almiron under Rafa Benitez two managers ago, Joe Linton who was basically a write-off, I remember the first overlap I ever did was like, let's not talk about Joe Linton, um, he is now proven every single penny of his worth and to the point where we're now looking at the Brazil squad being announced today and being like, he might have a chance to get in there. He's in the provisional squad, you know? So, 
Every single player that we've had now that is performing at the best, obviously Bruno aside, Trippier aside, which was January signings, um, have been players that we already own. So yeah, thanks Jack Grealish um, <laughs> for Miguel Almora <laughs> because he is, yeah, he's incredible. He's one of them players that you really want. There's always that one player at your club that you want to do well and he is he's one of them. Yep. He's doing so, so good. So another team in black and white that's overperforming at the moment. Gentleman sat right next to you, Sammy Fulham. Yeah. Um, pushed City all the way on Saturday and um, having a great season. <laughs> having a great season, Fulham. A lot of people were saying that, you know, certainty to go down, but not looking that way at the moment. No, not at all. I think most Fulham fans realise that this is a very different Fulham team to the last two times. I think we won the league, first of all, weren't playoff winners. We've won the league at a canter. We could have probably um, got even more points in the championships, smashing teams left, right and centre in the championships. And I think we all knew that we had a pretty special team. But yeah, I think that the signings that we made in the summer were, were really smart for the most part and we're scoring a lot of goals. It's not only, you know, positive results. We're not grinding out 1-0 wins. We're actually mostly winning five-goal thrillers, which is, you know, great entertainment and the fact that we've got as many points as we have we're on 19 points and you know for Fulham we've had three successive relegations from the Premier League that which takes some time to heal I think the fan base was wounded from that because if we went down this time I genuinely don't know what we'd have done I honestly I, I mean it literally would have just been the Norwich and Fulham joke going on forever um, so yeah it's been really really awesome to see and I'm starting to get confident that we might stay up. There's a, a member of this panel <laughs> who predicted that Fulham were going to have a good season and would stay up. Mr. Neville. <laughs> yes. Is the fact that they have Mitrovic, is that the difference yeah. between Fulham and those I, other teams down I, below? I think it's a massive thing. He's been brilliant, you, hasn't he? Yeah, it's a big thing. Um, teams that come up, having a goal scorer, someone who, to be fair, gives the rest of the team that confidence. Actually, I've not seen them live yet this season, but I've actually got the game on Sunday, which I think will be really good. Yeah. Um, I think it's Did a big... you both think he could do it in the Premier League? Pardon? Did you both believe he could do it in the Premier League? Took his time, didn't he? <laughs> be honest now, be honest. No, Mitrovic. Mitrovic, yeah. He's talented, isn't he? He does something. He reminds me of sort of like the in and out of its type that could have a great season, might not have a good season, but he's got the ability and the talent, so... I wouldn't sit here and say, I did think Fulham would have a good season for some reason, but I don't, I, just because of him, the fact he's a presence. But I'm looking forward to seeing him on Sunday. I think that, to be fair, I thought United would go into the, international, into the World Cup with two wins. Um, forget the Carabao Cup this week, but I thought they'd win the two uh, league, league games. And to lose yesterday, I'm a little bit worried about Sunday because it's just that type of ground. You know, it's that type of ground on a Sunday. It'll be dark and the, they're on top of you. And did if you you're not say quite, it's the hardest not, place to play? Then, Didn't you once say it was the hardest place? Well, to I, had, I had two horrible games there against Hales, Bohemorty and uh, Lewis Aha. Honestly, that means what honestly, they absolutely run as ragged. Uh, one was an FA Cup. I think we won both, but we came off thinking, oh, what the hell just happened out there? They beat, <laughs> you beat us up. And I think that's the type of ground it can be if it gets up on Sunday. And United are going to have to be at it. They cannot go to that, into that game like they did yesterday. They're going to have to be really at it and get mm. themselves right because that will find you out. These top teams go and win at these grounds. Of course, they go and win at these grounds. But if you're not right, that will find you out. Are you confident for Sunday? Um, well, Fulham have got a couple of suspensions. Lost Harrison Reed, lost Kenny Tete. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and obviously, we're not sure about Mitrovic's injury. So we're not, we're not in the best shape. Well, that sounds good then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in the best shape ourselves. But uh, at Craven Cottage, bar the Newcastle game, who battered us, um, we've looked you know, more than a match for everyone. Um, we, I think we should have won the Liverpool game, first game of the yeah. season. That was um, we played brilliantly against a couple other teams as well. Beat Brentford, um, which is obviously a massive one for us. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident any game at Craven Cottage that will give you a game. And there's always goals because I think we're pretty porous at the back, but I think we're good going forward. So, I could see it you know, being oh, a pretty final game. Until I went there oh, last week. Yeah, until, until Everton yeah. came and brought um, Yeah, well, you, sp you speak about Everton. Marco Silva, of course, used to be the manager of Everton, right? Um, <coughs> Everton. Let's move to Everton. Um, Bit of a yeah. funny season they've been having. Let's go to this. Let's just address this flag thing again because this comes up every time. I don't know what, what everyone, why everyone has a go at him. Has he upset everyone? Does he not answer your text? Will he go on any of your posts? Everyone has a pop at him. He used to room with Frank Lampard. Him. 
Nobody wants you to have a problem. Josh, last time was like favourite to get sacked. I said. Are you 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 happy? You happy with Lampard then? And you think, or you thinking you're drifting a little bit into that relegation battle? I think the problem was last time when we've done this. I was asked by Gary, I think, what our thought the season ago, and I said. I think we'll be fine as long as Dominic Calvert-Lewin stays fit. And then I went and got in the car outside and got a text. He's out for eight weeks. <laughs> so I'm not making any more predictions like that. Um, Everton have been much better this season. Much, much better. You know, we sorted the defence out. Midfield's improved. But the big thing is, if you can't score goals, you're going to struggle. And that's where Everton are. If Everton had won Saturday, they'd have been eight. And we'd have been having a different conversation. But the fact is, they, they didn't. They were poor, like really poor on Saturday, worst performance of the season. But we're talking here about Mitrovic, and I watched them last week. Handful knocking people about. We've not, we've not had that. Dominic Calvert-Lewin started three games. I think he started five games in seven months or something. So we've not had that presence up front now. Why players don't score enough goals? And that's simply why Everton are where they are. If they had more goals at the top end of the pitch, they'd be higher up the league. I, I, I think what he says is right there. And I think that it's brilliant for the league. When you see the league as it is now, you feel like a win can really put... Everything's so tight. There's no team sort of marooned at the bottom. Mm. There's not like, you know, a, a city is, you know, six points clear, the top foot. It, it, it's really tight and it can be a real difference. I think where Everton find themselves in right now because of the loss of the weekend is a little bit worrying when you look at the league table. Uh, but the thing when you look at all those teams near the bottom... They've, they've either all changed the manager or want to change the manager. So they're not happy, if you like. The, the, the great thing Frank's done, he's built a connection and a rapport with the supporters. There's something there where, if Everton get beat, no one's putting the finger of, of Frank. It's, you know, we need better players here, X, Y, Z. Uh, and that's what he's done. I just think that sort of fit, togetherness, on the, the back of last season, I don't think you will get into the situation you were last season. But I still think you'll be there or thereabouts. And the problem, I, tell me if I'm wrong, you still haven't played Arsenal or City at all, yet, have you, no? Arsenal game was off, because obviously... So what I'm saying is you, you'd have played, I don't know, 13 or 14 games by the time we, we go to the We've played four three. of the top five. Yeah, OK, but what I'm saying is the two best teams, you've still got four games against them. They're the two best teams in the league right at the moment. Mm. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Brilliant. it's... Uh, I mean, I think midfield's a problem for you. I've I done the they, game, I comment... Yeah. I don't... It's totally Is changed. this a game? It's totally changed the midfield. I haven't what, what, seen, seen us overrun in any game. You can do that all you want, but I haven't seen us overrun in any game. We can all put our hands on our. I watched it, I watched every minute. Did you watch Satti? Yeah, he had, a, he had a bad game, but you had you bad said games. That, you said, I know what <laughs> You had bad games. Not in derby games. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's because you're an Evertonian, you tried a bit more, yeah. that's all. Oh, Idrissa, get. You, you don't think you were overrunning midfield by Taylor? No, we played, we played poorly. I've just said we played poorly. That was Saturday, was one of them games where I think you might carry two bad players and get bad performances and you see Everton had, I don't think there was a, Wobie was probably the best and that's because he ran around. We were dreadful Saturday. I'd go as far as saying easily the worst performance under Frank Caron. Easily. It's, it's if, been if, uh, if you can get Calvert Lewin fit, um, not going to happen, mate. <laughs> Could he score the goals to, to, to make sure you're going to be all right? Absolutely, if he stays fit, but it, it, he's done an hour, sat, he's out again. So, Everton have got... The, the thing Everton have gone, I think what Frank... What he's done really well is now you look at the Everton team and go, it's the, the front, it's the issue, really. In most games... I know you're talking about Saturday, and you're right, we were, they were poor Saturday. I couldn't... The goalkeeper was the most erratic I've seen him in two years, sat in terms of his kicking, and yet he's been really calm. But the top end of the pitch... You can look at Everton now and go, there's the issue. Think they'll strengthen six. that maybe in January then? Got to. If Everton, if Everton get, we need two. You know, there's two long places still available. We need a, we need a wide player. We need a goal. Well, we need a striker. It's difficult. Mark. Well, you've got Mope as well. Yeah, but it's not. It, it's Mope. Yeah, Mope. Mope is okay, but it's it's okay. Good enough. You look at other teams. Other teams have got goals, and I might see teams below Everton with better strikers than we. But we might have a better defence, better midfield. Up front is, is where the issue is. I think we scored 11 goals in 14 games. You think Everton be all right this season? Yeah, I think they'll stay up. But it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's every, a bit like Newcastle was for many years. Not as bad because obviously the ownership at Newcastle was toxic. But at Everton, there's that sort of like, embe- like that, that rot that's just there where they just can't. They can't even have that one good season like a West Ham have, can you? When was the last time you had a season where you think, oh, that was a really exciting season? That you. 13 14. No, I mean. Sure. 
Now, to be fair, it oh, probably... sorry, sorry, we had the better seasons instead. <laughs> no, no, we've had seasons where we've Bobby been. Bobby Brown, under we've challenged for the Champions League. Under we were shattered. Roberto Martinez, was he? Was we, yeah, one season he, finished, he finished fifth. When was that? When, when was that? Martinez was, was yeah. 13, 14. So it's like nine, yeah. ten years since you've had a decent season. Top like, five. Yeah, it's like. But we were in the top, I mean, yeah. No, you're right. It's, 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 the frustrating thing is we can't just get that next yeah. thing of... We, we had former players, we can't keep them fit. We had, last season we had Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Midfield needed improvement. We lost both of them for big parts of the season. We've had 11 injuries already this season. So there is issues, but just to, to finish with what Jamie said, I think what Frank being really good at is making sure we all pull together. Now, it's, this next window, I think, is huge for Everton. They've got to go out and address. It's that simple. Go out and get two forward players. If you don't, then they could be. I think if Everton do that, they'll be between 10th and 14th. If they don't, it could be uh, sleepless nights again, and my ears white enough. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to take um, a break right now. When we come back, we'll be discussing the Manchester clubs. Hi, everyone, it's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. <laughs> On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts. 